funny because I'm outside and I have We're going to get started here in just a moment if you guys want to find a place to sit. Thank you. Good morning, Vineyard family. Good morning. It is so good to see you guys. I'm seeing faces I have not seen in a while, and it is good to see you. All right, we're going to get started. If you can please stand, we'll start with a prayer and then let the Holy Spirit speak to us today. Holy Spirit, come. I have such a huge sense of anticipation today that the Holy Spirit is going to pour out on us, that we are going to be filled up. Lord, I pray that you help us to um, walk out of this building today closer to you, with hope in our hearts, with joy in our steps, Lord. I just pray that you fill us up. Holy Spirit, come. Dwell in the midst of us Come and dwell in this place Dwell in the midst of us tears from our faces dwell in the midst of us you can have your way you can have your way you can have your way dwell in the midst of us 
You see me in the valley low. There is no home without you here. I find you in the crowded thoughts. You quiet all the question marks. There is no space you'll love.
song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus the name above every other Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Live for you. Your heart and me, me in your love to 
help us to really build our lives on around you. Help us to take those words to heart, Lord, and just truly build every part of our life around you.
We thank you for your presence, Lord. We thank you that you fill us up. We thank, we thank you that we're stronger because of you. We thank you for that. Amen. All right, good morning, guys. Thank you, worship team. Um, before we get into the announcements, I think we're supposed to do something. So you guys just kind of roll with me here. Um, as we were singing the last song, I felt like, um, I felt like God was saying to me that, and part of this was for me, but I think maybe it's for others in here as well. Um, if you feel like the, the Holy Spirit has kind of gotten cold in you, has has been diminished is like you long for for God to be speaking to you, moving through you, talking to you, active in you in, in ways that he used to be and it just has felt like a really long dry time. And you feel that um, you feel that lack you feel like you're missing something. You know, like when you're, um, when you haven't eaten for a while and you're really hungry and you feel weak, like weak from hunger, um, that was the sense that I got, that some of you are really hungry for God's presence. You're really hungry for the Holy Spirit. You're really, you're hungry for for God to, to move in you and through you and, and with you and around you and, and, and to others. And, but you just feel that, you feel that weakness from hunger. And I feel like, um, I feel like God wants to do something about that. Um, Deb, I promise we'll have time for you this morning, but I feel like God wants to do something about that. So if, if what I'm saying is resonating with you, I want you to just stand where, right where you're at. If you just stand up right where you are, if that's something that you're sensing from God, um, that you, you just, you want, you want God to move in you and speak through you and, and use you again in ways that maybe it's been a while. And I'm just, I'm gonna pray for us 
Um, I don't need to do a lot of praying because the Holy Spirit's already here with us. And um, simply by your act of recognizing that you want that, I feel like God's going to meet you this morning. So I'm just going to say a very simple prayer. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Jesus. Come, Lord. Um, for those of you that are standing, um, I, the exact same thing happened in my uh, quiet time this morning. I'm just really, like, hungry and after God's presence. For, so for those of you that are standing around the people that have stood up, um, I'm just going to encourage you to lay hands on them. And just we're going to wait for the Holy Spirit to show up because I think that God is definitely doing something here, and I just want to see what God's going to continue to do. Um, specifically this morning, the picture that I got um, in my quiet time was just this, like, picture of somebody just on their knees, just crying out to God and asking for more of his presence, asking for more of his heart. And so um, if someone's standing around you, lay hands on them. We're just going to see what the Holy Spirit does. I think that God's talking to some of you guys. So let's just be um, open to see what the Holy Spirit does. just going to kind of call a few things out I feel like God's showing me so um, um, I know you didn't stand but Selena is it okay if I have Deb Palmer come pray for you okay Deb could you I feel like there's something I don't know I'm going with it <laughs> um Denise, God is going to restore back to you all of the things that you had hopes for and plans for and dreams for, and you felt like they all got, like, kind of yanked out from underneath you. Does that make any kind of sense? Okay, there's things that, like, you had, you had dreams and plans for how God was going to use you move through you and use you to touch other people and it just kind of got the rug it's like the rug got pulled out and God wants you to just to know that he sees you he recognizes you he knows your hopes he knows your dreams and those things are not dead they just got ambushed for a little while but they, they're still true I hope that makes does that make sense yes um, I know your hubby's praying for you. Sweetie, would you 
and praying, praying for Denise. Sorry. Just for anybody who might be watching online, this is my wife. I don't, don't call random people sweetie. <laughs> just for the, for the record. Except Aaron sometimes. Male Aaron. <laughs> Although you are very sweet. Um, Peggy. Um, it's a little bit similar to Denise. God's not done with you yet. Um, and specifically in the area of prayer. God, you, you like, I don't know, and you, you can tell me if this is legit or not, but you used to have this time and this space where you would like really press in in the area of, of prayer and you would like, even like write things down and you'd have like lists of things to pray for and it's just kind of gotten through whether it's through moves or changes in your life or whatever that's kind of just kind of fallen by the wayside and there's a there's a few of of, of you here who I know who God has gifted you with this gift of tenacious prayer and he hears you when you pray. And you are doing like serious damage to the enemy when you are interceding for other people and you are praying. Um, just because I happen to say Andy, you as well. Um, and God wants you to kind of get back to some of those practices that you used to engage in. Or if you're still doing some of it, he, he's wanting to kind of enhance it. Um, and make it greater than, than it was. Um, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Um, there's a few of you who, who are standing now who, God, there's a season coming and you feel like you've been waiting forever and you've been starving for so freaking long and it feels like it's never going to happen, but you just keep fighting for it anyway. And I feel like the Lord just wants to remind you that when he took his people out of Egypt and they were heading to a promised land, it took a really long time and it was through a desert and they were hungry and like the children of Israel, sometimes you're like, but God, I'm sick of this manna. This manna sucks. I have this manna every day. I want different manna. I want different sustenance. I want food that's not this. And I feel like the Lord's saying to you, keep your eye on the prize. There is a place where there is milk and there is honey and there is meat and there is just a, an incredible beauty of my glorious spirit that you are going to experience. And not only will you experience it for yourself, but God is going to be using you to help others come to know him in a deeper way and in ways that they've never known before. And that um, God brought to my mind that song, God of our mothers and fathers. 
that is a, is a promise for you to hold on to. And it, it is coming and it will come. Keep following that cloud by day and that fire by night. Don't give up. Be encouraged. Do not grow weary in doing well. For a future point, there it will bear fruit. Lord, for all of us who we've been fighting for your promises, God, and it's felt like like you're just getting by through like just tenacity and nothing else. Lord, I ask, would you even just starting this morning and even more so as, as we continue to press into you, God, Lord, would you feel, fill us? God, would you restore us? Holy Spirit, would you, would you meet us here right now? Would you meet us here right now? Meet us, Lord. Lord, your people want you. We want to chase after you with everything that we have, God. Lord, just like that song said, Lord, we want to build our lives on you, Jesus. That you're a rock, you're a firm foundation, even when everything else in the world seems crazy. You're a solid rock on which we can stand. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Did um did anybody else get anything that you felt like you're supposed to share? I'm open now. Okay. So, Lord, um, Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would seal this time and this moment. And, and, and Lord, Lord, we just, we declare that we're expecting more. More of your presence, more of your spirit. Lord, we, we want to see you heal bodies and lives and relationships and minds and emotions. Lord, we want you to speak to us. Lord, we're looking for your guidance and your direction, Holy Spirit. Lord, we want to be open to you. Jesus, I ask for just, just a renewed sense of your spirit in our day-to-day -day life, God. Just a renewed sense of your spirit in our day-to-day -day life, Jesus. Meet us where we are, Lord. Lord, in those areas that we're weak, would you make us strong? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Amen. All right, you guys can be seated. Thank you. Sorry, Kat, I keep juking you with thinking I'm going to end, and then I'm just not... Um, <laughs> it's just, yeah, no, it's okay. We, 
one thing we value with the vineyard and one thing we want to continue to hold is at any point, if the Holy Spirit wants to stop us short and change our agenda, that he has every absolute right to change our agenda. So um, thank you guys for, for pressing in. And I, I'm, I'm going to continue to pray this week just that God meets you, meets you where you are. Um, we have a cool thing that we're going to do. I'm going to let Kat explain it because this was, this was her brainchild. And I really just I felt like God was saying yes all over it, and it's our heart, and it's who we are, so. Hi, guys. So, to quote a not-so-great prophet, Eminem, <laughs> visionary vision is scary. Um, so I'll just be really honest with you. I'm a little bit nervous to share this with you because it's kind of big. Um, it's bigger than me and anything else. So um, I had this idea to have a COVID-safe harvest party. And kind of the idea behind this is there are a lot of kids that are going to be really sad again this year that there's not going to be a lot of trick-or-treating, right? There's going to be a lot of kids that are sad that they can't wear their costumes. And so my idea was um, that we are going to have tables, booths, outside along this street, and then this street on this side. And we're going to have a big, huge harvest party. We're going to have games and activities, and crafts, and tattoos, and face painting, and a photo booth I heard yesterday, which is super exciting because that wasn't even my idea. Um, I was like, yes, that's a great idea, um, because we all love to put pictures on the gram. So, <laughs> so here is, so that Sunday, October 31st, we're going to show up at 1030, and uh, the event is going to start at 11. And um, we are going to do games for our community, um, for our neighborhood. We are going to have, um, I should have those done by tonight, like a little um, just like infograph that you can share with people on Facebook or Instagram or whatever social media you're on. We will have some flyers too for those of you that might want to hand somebody a flyer and invite them and their kids. This is a great opportunity for us to, one, reach out to the neighborhood around here because people drive by and they're like, oh, party, what's up? And um, maybe want to come hang out with us. So we'll, they'll get an invitation through, um, I'm hoping to try to put them in the, um, maybe some of the food boxes um, at, through the food pantry and just um, dream big and um, have lots of candy and free food and just see what happens. Um, so the kind of tagline for this is no service. So if you show up on October 31st, wear a costume. It's going to be fun. Nothing scary, though. That would be no blood, nothing like that. Um, so no actual service, but just service to our community. So for some of you, you're, you might be freaking out, right? Like, tag out. I don't want to do this. I don't want to bring candy. I don't want to do this, <laughs> right? Totally fine totally fine but we are going to create space for everyone to have a place because what do we value in the vineyard anybody anybody Every yes my kid everyone gets to <laughs> so everyone gets to play everyone everyone there is a space for everyone so if you want to be security we would love for you to do security if uh, we'll talk about that later honey <laughs> at home. Um, and um, if you are like, I don't want to be around people, I don't want to be around kids, you can sit inside the church and pray for us while we're outside. 
vaccinated people. Everyone gets to play. There's a part for each of you. So can we move to the next one? The next, the, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, so there's another slide. There's a little piece of like information about some things that you can do. So if you are interested and you're hearing this and you're like, um, I would be interested in hosting a booth or a game, talk to Christy Stahl. Raise your hand. Christy Stahl. She's in charge of all of that. Woo-hoo, Christy. Those of you that don't know Christy, she is a freaking rock star. She, I heard through the grapevine that she's already got all of the games organized. It's amazing. She's so awesome. So if you are interested in um, bringing candy, I'm hoping that each of you are interested in bringing candy because we need lots of candy. So when you're at the store, just throw an extra bag of candy in there. Every week, every time you go to the store, actually, just we need lots of candy. So if that's where you want to support us, we would love that. So if you are interested in helping with that or the organization with that, we're going to talk to Sherry Springer. She's one of the overseers of the Kids Church. I think everybody knows her. She's not out here, so she can't raise her hand. But she's awesome. She's in charge of that. And then if you are interested in doing arts, crafts, face painting, or tattoos, the youth group is going to be heading that up. But if you're interested in helping, like if you're just a crafty person and you want to do that, talk to Ezra, my kid. Will you raise your hand? That's Ezra. He's going to be in charge of coordinating that um, with the youth group. If you are interested in helping out with food and drinks, we're going to start food probably like around 11, and we're probably going to do like free hot dogs and like drinks. If you're interested in that, um, talk to me because I need a person for that. Um, and then anything else? There's a list at the bottom. Oh, did somebody just raise their hand? Did, I, did you really? Oh my gosh, I'm so happy that that just happened. I'm, talk to me after church. Yes, I'm loving that. I'm so loving that for my journey right now. Okay. Um, and then if you're interested in security or prayer team or greeting or cleanup crew, there's a place for everyone. So, um, yes. And then my other announcement is youth group is tonight. If your kids are in junior high or high school, we're meeting here at 530. Cannot wait. It's going to be so fun. So, that's it. I think you got everything. Thank you, guys. This won't be the only announcement. Yay, Kat. This won't be the only announcement for this. We've got seven weeks, so we're going to keep talking about it. But I, I love the heart behind, you know, churches happening on Halloween. Let's serve our, use it to serve our community. Let's leverage that to serve our community and be Jesus to our immediate neighborhood around us. Um, can I get everybody to stand up? Um, first, first of all, we, I don't know anybody who knows, um, my good friend Andy Heising, it's her birthday today. She's 21. Go Andy. Um, so we're going to sing happy birthday to her real quick, and then I'm going to have you greet each other. So I'm going to turn off the mic, because we all know how this goes, and then we're going to uh, greet each other.
red, then you can hear yourself. Okay, if I could please have everyone find your seats. Go ahead and get back to your seats, please. I'm glad you, yeah, you can. Yeah, we're good. We're, I got your slides up there, we'll get your thing. All right, I'm going to pray for my friend my amazing friend Deb Palmer here real quick and then I'm gonna let her get get going here she has an amazing story to tell you about how Jesus intersected her life so let's pray Lord Jesus I just ask for your special anointing on my friend Lord God Lord I ask that you would give her your wisdom your words your insight that, Lord, as she shares this morning, she recognizes that you um, are in control of this. And you've got this. And you've got her. And you've had her even before she knew that you did, Lord God. Lord, I just thank you for her. Lord, I just speak a blessing over her in the name of Jesus. As she is willing, Lord God, to share her story this morning. Be blessed in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, hit, yeah, hit that little switch on the side there, and you're going to be ready to rock. Morning. <laughs> um, if you don't know me, I'm Deb, and you can always find me sitting over there by that good-looking guy right there with the headset on. 
Okay, so um, I want to do this before I forget. The, um, my scriptures that I'll be referencing are up here, and they're on a loop, so you might want to kind of read them, and, and um, hopefully they'll apply to what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, so the crux of my testimony is very simple. Um, Jesus loves me even though, in spite of, whether you think he should, whether I think he should. There's nothing I have ever done to deserve it. Um, in fact, quite the opposite is true. If you've hung around churchgoers very much, I know a lot of you have been asked that question, well, what character in the Bible do you relate to the most? You know, you hear a lot of Pauls and Luke, Matthews, right? Um, but every time that question would get asked, I'd think of the same character for me. Okay, that's your clue. <laughs> every time I'd think of that sheep, um, the annoying sheep that um, the shepherd had to leave the well-behaved 99 for and go take care of and drag back, right? Well, um... I don't want you to feel bad for me for that, that I'm the sheep in the story, because the truth is, knowing that God loved me enough, thought I was special enough to go after me and go after me and go after me, I loved that, and I needed that. Um, so Jesus loved me before I could love myself. He loved me. I'm sorry I'm so emotional over it. It's the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to say it. I, I, I was totally fine before I got up here. But um, it's not fear or anything like that. I, it, I just follow the Holy Spirit, I guess. Okay. So you might think, um, no, that's not where I was at. Jesus loved me when I could not love myself. He loved me when I ignored him. He loved me when I denied his existence, when I cursed and questioned him. He loved me when I stomped away. He loved me when I clung to other gods. He coaxed me out of the darkness. And when I would slam that cage door shut, he would gently slide it open again, waiting patiently for me to notice the cage isn't real. Looking back, I see that all the terrible choices that I made, he was always there, shining a light on a better option, always nudging, whispering, maybe even sometimes shouting at me. He was speaking, turn around, walk away, stop, back away from the cliff, you silly sheep. <laughs> I'm going to share a little bit of my background Part of my hope is so that you'll understand why I made the bad choices I made, why I was so messed up, but mostly so you can hear the links that God will go to to come after you and save you from yourself. So I'll start right off. I'll apologize for um, picking on the Irish. But let's just say the leaves of the McFarland family tree dripped in scotch, whiskey, vodka, gin, beer, you name it. We drank to be happy. We drank to stay happy. We drank because we were sad, and we drank because we were mad. 
Or when we were bored, we drank to feel and we drank to not feel. And if alcohol ever caused a problem in our life, well, it wasn't the fault of the sauce. <laughs> Never. We just needed to learn how to handle ourselves better. Suggesting drinking less or not at all, well, that would be like telling a McFarland to slow down their breathing or maybe quit altogether. My parents, um, they would go out and they always brought the bar home with them, okay, including the band. <laughs> and my bedroom was right off of that bar. So, but the truth is, I really didn't mind it. I mean, I, it was kind of fun. I'd go out there and I'd watch all the adults get drunk and sloppy and tell their off-color jokes and fall all over themselves. And it was a lot better than TV in the 60s, okay? <laughs> um, and it didn't matter that I, you know, was on school nights and things because school was not something that was real important in our family. <laughs> um, that wasn't what we were taught to value. I mean, I was always just told, hey, um, get through school. It, school and education is for men or for women who don't want to snag a husband and, and have children. So that wasn't an issue. Um, so I would, uh, while other children were planning um, whatever other children were planning, I was planning what kind of party life that I was going to have when I could finally drink. And this home bar was like the, I mean, my parents were so proud of it. and. As a little kid, I'd go to school and tell my friends, yeah, we've got a, we've got a bar, it's got a regulation bar and uh, 12 bar stools, it has a disco ball, li black lights, posters, everything you could imagine a real bar would have, and it's fully stocked. So um, I don't want you to think that I think drinking is a bad thing, I don't. But if that lifestyle is your ideal in life, if that right to drink is what you fight for, what you would die for, if it's the strongest element you're modeling to your children, you're being robbed and lied to. If you mix alcohol with a few other bad character habits, you have instant chaos, broken promises, domestic violence, and the worst, volumes of hurtful words. All that bad fruit for a few golden moments of a buzz. So alcohol abuse played a part to shape who I became. And so did family dynamics. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. She was an amazing cook and a homemaker. Um, she always referred to her children as her string of pearls. And my dad... Uh, <laughs> My dad was loud and funny. He was a hard worker. And, but together, um, they were kind of this sappy black and white romantic movie with a mix of Dagwood and Blondie and the TV programs Outer Limits and The Twilight Zone kind of all smooshed together. <laughs> they loved passionately, but not always in healthy ways. They had four children, three daughters, and one son. 
When I was a little girl, I loved my dad. But looking back and thinking about this, the truth is I think it was more that I would have done anything for him to love me. Before I tell you some really horrendous things about my dad, <laughs> I need you to know that thanks to a ministry through this church, Surrendered Hearts, I have the purest love for him. I have completely and thoroughly forgiven my dad. I love him with no reservations, and believe it or not, I love him just as he was. All I can tell you is God changes hearts. So, um, Dad could be real scary. He had a, this loud voice and a belt and fists that um, hurt my mother and sometimes us kids. He would remove his belt and snap it like this before he'd use it. And uh, believe me, that, would, that was quite frightening. Um, but the truth is, it wasn't as frightening as... Um, the other part of his temper, because he was more controlled with the belt, but if, if he was drinking and his temper would go out of control, you could scream in his ear, wave in front of his face, and he didn't even know you were there. He, this man was gone. Um, so as one of the three daughters, it was clear to me that according to Dad, our sole purpose in life was to grow up and serve the needs of men. What else could we possibly exist for? As a teenager in the 60s, my little girl desire to be loved by him turned to disrespect and disgust and eventually hatred. He'd leer at my friends and whisper sexual remarks to whomever would listen. One day, <laughs> I stole that infamous belt of his and I cut it in half and I put it on my hippie hat that I had got at the thrift store and I had the best time watching him look for that belt. <laughs> he, I wore that hat every day and that man never saw that his belt was on my head because I was invisible to him, right? So, and that empowered me having that on my head all the time. <laughs> he never did figure that out. Um, and then I'm going to tell you another story about my dad. And um, I'm just going to tell it. Um, but this story is really important because it sums up how I felt about myself as a little girl. Um, so my dad was a trucker, and he wasn't around very much. And when he was around, he wanted what he called adult time. And, but on this one rare occasion, um, my dad was actually looking through this Korean War um, album of his with me. And I'll never forget it. And so he's turning the pages, and he comes across this one picture of my dad's in his U.S. Navy uniform, and he looks really handsome, and, uh, you know, sailors in the 60s, even to a little girl, that was just romantic, right? And, but in this picture, my dad is sitting down, and there's a, a Korean lady on one knee and a Korean lady on the other knee, and then one sitting down in front of him, and they look 
to me to a little girl, really glamorous, had great shoes and red lipstick and, you know, what was a black and white picture? Maybe I imagined the red lipstick. But um, anyway, so I asked my dad, who are these ladies? And he kind of got this weird prideful, prideful air about him, and he said, well, that's Betty number one and Betty number two and Betty number three. And I realized right then, even, even as a little girl, that we were generic daughter number one, daughter number two, and daughter number three to him. He would never know our hopes and dreams. He would never know our differences. He would never know us. Um, so I moved out of the house at a very young age, moving into a downtown apartment for $45 a month. It was furnished. <laughs> I fell in love with working. Having a paycheck gave me independence. I often had three jobs at once, mostly waitressing. I was really lonely um, because I wasn't very good at relationships. Um, the other girls didn't get me. And I understand why. Um, Monday mornings, they'd come to school and share stories about family picnics, ballet lessons, and sleepovers with cupcakes, you know? And one time, purposely being snarky, I shared a true story with them about my weekend. So this was something that we would do quite often. My parents would say, okay, we're going to spend time with you with the kids, so um, we're going to take you into Tacoma. And they would go to this bar called Esmeraldas. And while they were in Esmeraldas, we were next door at this pool hall. And um, my brother and I, we had comic books, and um, we shot pool and stuff. And they would, my parents would come out and check on us. But um, I think we were about 8 and 13 at the time. And, but they would end up closing the bar. Their excuse was because people just kept buying them drinks and they couldn't help it. So <laughs> they would, um, after that, and it would get kind of scary because after a certain time at night, the more wholesome crowd would leave and, you know, you'd have people taking random next naps next to you or <laughs> getting sick. <laughs> so it was, it was a little scary, but Afterwards, we would play our favorite game. And um, that game was to uh, drive around Skid Row in Tacoma. And my dad would have us all crouched down, my mom, my brother, and I, in the car seat. And then he'd pull up to a corner, and every time... Some lady in a colorful, skimpy outfit would approach him, and then we'd all pop up like jack-in-the-box. <laughs> we thought it was great, okay? But it wasn't the most wholesome um, thing to do, and I knew that. And it made, what it did was make me different. It made me different than the other kids because our home life, wasn't like theirs and 
my way of dealing with it was to play up that those differences, to embrace being weird and different, to almost, you know, dare people to ask me about my life and, and what things were, because I, I didn't apologize for it. I put it out there in their face. So all this is just to help you understand that I was really a mess. I was so confused, especially about relationships. To give you an idea what I thought love was, my all-time favorite movie was a, a movie called A Duel in the Sun with Gregory Peck and Jennifer Jones. I watched it for the first time in the 1960s when I was a preteen. And um, the blurb about the movie says that Pearl, uh, tragedy seemed to follow Pearl everywhere she went. Well, even as a little girl, I, I could relate to that. Like, yeah. <laughs> but it's the ending of the movie that's like epic, okay? Um, Pearl had this fiery relationship with Lute. It's, it's a Western. And um, he's threatened to kill someone else that she cared about because he was jealous. And he's also wanted by the, a posse and the sheriff. So he goes up in the hills. Well, Pearl gets her rifle and gets on her horse and goes up and, and tracks him down up in the hills. He thinks that she's there because she can't get over him. So he stands up and she lifts her rifle and she shoots him. But then she feels like she overreacted, right? <laughs> so she has this remorse. <laughs> and so, but then she stands up and Lute shoots her. Then he feels bad and they're both having remorse. So how it ends is they're both crawling to each other through the dirt. They're all bloody and sweaty, and they crawl to each other, calling each other's names, Pearl, Lute. And they reach at the end, and they kiss. They have this last kiss, and then they both die. How romantic, right? <laughs> but that's... So you can imagine what kind of relationships that I grew up to have if that was my ideal. And I lived up to that. <laughs> so where was God in all this? Well, I grew up believing God was this big guy in the sky who wanted to make my life miserable. He wanted to take away anything that was fun. So we mostly hid from him, okay? Well, I want you to know that I do know I could have made better choices all along. I make no excuse. I know people whose lives made mine look really easy, and somehow they still managed to make good choices, but I did not. What's important in my story is not anything that I did or didn't do. The value in my testimony is solely what God has done. And isn't that what a testimony is? If you think you don't have much of a testimony because you weren't an alcoholic or a serial killer, <laughs> you're actually saying God hasn't done much in your life. And I beg to differ.
God's not just busy in my life. He's been busy in your life, too. And believe me, you have an amazing testimony. We all do. Because he never gives up on us. My testimony might speak to some, but yours speak to others. And there are probably people, oh, there's probably even people who need the chicken little guy on the corner screaming that the world's coming to an end. But for me, it took knowing God really actually sees me and hears me. That I'm not just the generic daughter number three. I'm someone God created and loves. Here we go again. Ah. And that he has a purpose for me. In God's eyes, I'm special, worth going after. And he pursued me with a vengeance. By his grace, I was not given what I deserved. The Bible's full of stories quite similar to mine, so I'm in good company. Turns out there's more characters in the Bible I relate to than that just that pesky sheep. There's the story in John. You know the story. Jesus is teaching in the temple. The Pharisees come barging in with a woman caught in adultery. In Mosaic law, she's to be stoned. They toss the woman to the ground, demanding Jesus do something. And how did he respond? <laughs> he bent down to her and doodled in the dust. And then he stands for her, speaks for her, protects her from harm. That's my story, too. Jesus did not give me what I deserved. He stooped down, lifted my face gently with his finger, and then he stood for me, took the shame for me, died for me. Oh, goodness. Simply asking, I go and sin no more. And the woman at the well... Like me, the woman at the well was no angel. She was uh, living life for all the wrong reasons, chasing fruit, fruitless love. Did Jesus shame her? Shun her? No, he offered her divine mercy. And David, I don't want to leave you guys out. David was a young man after God's own heart. Yet he messed up big time. He lusted after a married woman, committed adultery, conspired to murder an innocent man. How did our father respond to that? Well, he didn't rip the crown off David's head. Instead, he gave David a lot of credit, and David has a lot of space in the Bible. <laughs> I'm not proud of the life I lived before he transformed me. I'm not proud of the life I live today, but I am proud that we have a Father who loves us even though. Jesus loved me first so I could learn to love myself, love others, and mostly I could love him. His response to me in all my brokenness, in all my sin, has always been loving, merciful, and kind. Not once did he smite me. He certainly could have and by most standards, should have. 
So back to God's loving responses when we don't deserve it. After my shootout-style relationships had left me bloody, dirty, sweaty, laying face down in the desert, dry, broken, wanting nothing more than to give up, how does God respond to that? He sets me up with a sober guy, Sandy. He sets us up on a you've-got-to-be-joking-style blind date. <laughs> Sandy was told I was a little crazy, and I was told he had three years' sobriety. Great blind date. A blind date with Mr. Doldrums. <laughs> Seriously, I would have rather went on a date with the Grinch or Eeyore. But there was something about Sandy I wanted more of. For unexplained reasons, I would listen to Sandy about God. Sandy kept loving me, even though I just kept hanging around Sandy until one day, too, I got sober and began my own search for Jesus. I love God because he loved me first. Today my heart breaks knowing how much grief I caused God and how did he respond to the grief? A beautiful marriage that just turned 30 years old this month. Oh, I've experienced grand miracles in my life. You might think compared to growing a limb or raising me from the dead that the miracles are small. But really, the ordinariness or smallness of the miracles is exactly what makes them extraordinary. We serve a God who cares about the small things in our life as well as the monstrosities. His miracles are everywhere when you quit expecting them to look a certain way. I came to this very church in 2001. I showed up here simply because I had tried everything else but the God path, and that was the only one that was left. I walked in that door, I ran up the stairs, and I sat right up there, and I cried for two years. Not all at once, one Sunday at a time. <laughs> My body language made it really clear I did not want to be approached. I sat up there. And I'd go home, and my face is like tear-streaked. And I'd still be sobbing, and I'd say, Oh, Sandy, you need to go to church. You'll love it. And, and he would say, No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what else did God do? God gave me a group of women in this church, strong women who came around me, um, Debbie Bleehart, I can't not mention her. Michelle and Melody, and they, it just goes on and on. Um, and those women prayed my husband into this church. <laughs> it took a couple years of consistent prayer. But one day, it was um, 17 years ago, um, Sandy walked through that door, and I think he deserves the Perfect Attendance Award now. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, 
When I look back, I feel so loved. You see, merely months after I finally opened that door and let Jesus in, my mother went into the hospital. God knew what was coming for me. And um, for two months, she lay helpless in the hospital. Um, but now I had tools. I had tools that I didn't have before. So I prayed with my mom. I read her the Bible, and um, I was able to be there for her. But one of the prayers that was so important um, and huge was that God would show my sister and I especially, that mom was going to be okay. So when it came time to unhook all the life support, um, we were told it was going to be a few hours. And many of you have heard this story, but this is a big part of my testimony, so you have to hear it again. <laughs> but um, my sister and I decided to go get a cup of tea in the cafeteria and then come back and be with mom. But when we walked out the door, my sister realized that she'd forgotten her purse. We walked back in. Now, you have to understand, we've not, we have not seen my mom's eyes open for about two months. When we walked into the room, my mother's eyes were wide open, and she's looking at something. And so my sister and I are looking, but there's, we don't see anything. And the look on her face, and was such, I, I don't, there's no, there aren't words for it. Just the, the expectancy and the excitement in her face. And then we just watched her leave. And when I say leave, you know, we knew right away. We didn't have a problem leaving her there because it was just her body. Because when she was gone, she was gone. She wasn't in the room anymore. And we were at such peace because, in fact, we were excited because wherever she went and whatever she saw, it's good. It's really good. So, um, but the thing is, after my mother's death, we still have my dad. <laughs> and, <laughs> oh boy, um, my dad, my mom used to tell me, not, you know, I used to get upset with my mom because she, she wouldn't leave dad alone in the house <laughs> because she'd tell me all these things. If I leave your dad alone, he's going to do this and this and this. And I'd say, mother, he is not. He's a grown man. He loves you. He's not going to do that. Oh, my goodness. My dad did everything and more as soon as my mother went in the hospital. So it was just normal for my dad to, like, after my mom went in the hospital, he got beat up by a woman. He'd call me, and in the middle of the phone call, I'd find out that he'd blown his face up sitting on the pot with his oxygen tank. Um, he was robbed over and over and over again. It's just, he was dad. That's who my dad was. But it, it made the grieving process really hard. It's like it never stopped. It just kept going because of taking care of him. And in that same year... Um, with my dad in there in that same season, um, my brother was diagnosed with cancer. And now, my brother was this practical joker, and I have to tell you that when he called me to tell me that he'd been diagnosed with cancer, I laughed. And, yeah, right. 
and he didn't laugh and because it was true and so but he never lost his sense of humor even while he was dying um, in fact, one of his favorite things to do was to pretend like he was already dead when the hospice nurse would show up. <laughs> he loved that. You know, she didn't like it that much. <laughs> and I have to tell you, when he did it to me, I didn't like it either. <laughs> but the thing is, um, our relationship was healing because my brother and I had been on the outs for quite a few years because um, I married a sober guy. And I'm telling you the truth, if I'd have brought home Charles Manson, no problem, welcome. But a sober guy, it's like, whoa, I was totally, I had mutinied the ship. So, um, my, and my brother really had a hard time with that, but to make it worse, there's no coincidences with God. Sandy had actually went to treatment with my brother um, before Sandy and I met and went on that blind date. So they knew each other. And Sandy did, um, the treatment worked on him, but it did not work on my brother. So Danny took me marrying this um, sober guy personally. But you see, Again, I was prepared because now I had some tools, okay? And um, now my brother wasn't used to me being different. My brother was used to me being his drinking buddy. And I was no longer his drinking buddy. And um, <laughs> he would call me Aunt Esther from Sanford and Son because I'd come with my Bible, right? I don't know if any of you remember that show. But um, he loved teasing me about that. And watching my brother struggle uh, wasn't easy. Um, but we would sit on his special hospice bed side by side, and we'd read scriptures together and pray and repent and forgive and just love each other. And it was one of the hardest times of my life, but um, probably one of the most special times as well. Uh, okay, so six months later, my dad died. And I don't have a beautiful miracle story about dad's death. I know he'd been changing, um, but he'd struggled knowing how to make things right. But I had forgiven him, and I loved him, and I know that God loved him and forgave him way before I did. That same year ended with the death of Sandy's mom after a long haul of dementia. And the new year began with watching my daughter and son lose their dad unexpectedly. God had prepared me for a truckload of grief. He knew what was coming. You can't tell me that's not a miracle. I can't imagine what would have happened if I'd have went through that season without God. Instead of giving me what I deserve, he blessed my marriage, grew our business. He planted strong, godly women in my life. He used the leaders in this church to teach me, Wayne Purden, Jimmy John, and now Dusty, who not only teaches Jesus, but he walked that talk. 
Male role models that have shattered my old belief system. Men who treat myself and other women with respect. I'm grateful for good teachers because I could have been led astray. And frankly, I don't want to go back to that pit I used to think was home. The miracles, mercy, and grace I did not and do not deserve just keep coming. I have the most wonderful daughter and son. Some of you know my grandson, Evan, and I can tell you the birth of that young man changed my life and Sandy's in a big way. Evan was an opportunity oh, <laughs> to do things right this time, a do-over, to heal from past mistakes. Evan's now 23 years old, and he's a close friend that I respect and love hanging out with. Not only did God bless me with Evan, through Sandy's amazing daughters, I have four more grandsons that I couldn't be more proud of. I could go on and on sharing all about the proud accomplishments of our children and grandchildren, but what I'm most proud of is their character. The blessings continue. I hope it doesn't sound like I'm saying my life is perfect even though I made all these bad mistakes. You see, there are still consequences for my past actions. But as I say, God has, as they say, I didn't coin this, <laughs> as they say, God has a big mop and he's the author of good. He can rewrite your messy script and he knows how to write a slam dunk ending way better than a shootout in the desert. If you let him in, he turns your pit into a castle. He does whatever it takes to squeegee the gunk off your heart. He teaches you to love by loving you first. He waits patiently until you are ready, even though it grieves his heart to see you suffer. He wants nothing but for you to be free. I will never be able to give back a measurable gift all I can do is pray every day that I become the woman he intended me to be all along. The woman I am today is still a far cry from the woman God created me to be. I will be on this journey until my last breath. I am the daughter of the king. There's nothing generic about me. He knows everything about me. I am a thoroughly loved daughter and I am no longer in sheep clothing. So I'd love to pray for anyone who um, doesn't feel worthy or who thinks that God's not busy in their life or for any other reason. So, um, Dusty, <laughs> I do need you. <laughs> no worries. So let's do this. If I could have, um, Deb, why don't you um, put the thing on there? Oh, sure. Right there. There you go. Just so when you're praying, it doesn't get broadcast to the whole church and the internet. Um, <laughs> yeah, you can take it off. Thank you. Can we get a round of applause for my friend Deb? Thank you. She was amazing. I often tell people this is one of my favorite 
times that when we just have people from our church come and share and we get to hear their stories and Kelly last week and Deb this week it's just gives me a lot of a lot of hope in their story so let's do this um, if I could have some folks in back Dave you're already back there Bob and Debbie Chris if you wouldn't mind maybe going in back if there's anybody who actually Ryan and Christy too would you guys be available you mind thank you um, if some of what Deb was saying specifically I feel like she was talking about how you feel like you've made too many mistakes or there's too much brokenness or there's too many things, choices that you've made that are not good and so you're not quite sure if God still wants you. So short answer, he does. Um, and if you would just like prayer for anything at all, there's these folks back here. Um, if you just go back and let them pray for you. Um, I'm, as a reminder, uh, ladies, you're going to be having your luncheon. It's going to be through those doors up the stairs, and you're in the tavern right on the left and on the left. So, ladies, you're going to have your, your luncheon, and it's going to be amazing. Um, my friends, Devin, who just spoke, and Aaron are hosting. Yes, Aaron. And even if you didn't sign up, just like the kingdom of God, you're welcome. <laughs> doesn't matter if you signed up. He still wants you. Um, so I'm just going to pray. We're going to bless that, and then we're going we're gonna to end. So Lord Jesus, um, thank you for my friend Deb. Thank you that you love us because. Thank you that you love us in spite of. Thank you that you love us always, Lord God. Jesus, we accept your grace. We accept your love, God. And Lord, I just pray for um, our ladies who are meeting today. Jesus, I just speak your blessing over them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We bless them. Lord, that they are worthy, they are whole, they are perfect in you, Lord God. That, Lord, that you use them to bring your kingdom to bear. Jesus, you speak to them. You use them to heal, to cast out demons, to speak prophecy, to preach, to teach, to share your word, to bind up the wounds of those who are broken, Lord God. Lord, that their vocation as healers is unmatched. So, Lord, we speak a blessing over them in the name of Jesus. And, Lord, would you be with them as they meet? Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be in their midst as they meet today, Lord God. And Lord, we, we thank you for the treasure that are the ladies in our church, Lord God, because they are a gift and they are a treasure. And we cherish them, Lord God. So bless them. Bless them, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you all. We will be back here next week. Special treat. I'm going to call her out. My lovely wife is going to be giving her testimony next week. You've never heard her speak up front. So if you want to be praying for her this week, and I encourage you to show up. God bless you guys. Have a good Sunday.